Welcome to the Baptist Pulpit. This podcast is designed to introduce to the audience Baptist preachers, both living currently in America or across the world, and also to introduce classic speakers, men of the past. There were Baptist preachers that have inspired men like myself for years to preach the Word of God. And they also, through their preaching, highlight Baptistic principles. Thank you for listening to the Baptist Pulpit, our featured speaker for today is Dr. Terry Angel. He was saved in 1975 at the Calvary Baptist Church in Tennessee, called to preach shortly after that. He went off to Bible College in Crown Point, Indiana. In 1980, he became assistant pastor working with the youth at Marion Avenue Baptist Church in Iowa. He served 10 years there under the leadership of Pastor Larry Brown. Then God burdened his heart about pastoring, and in June of 1990, he became pastor of Faith Baptist Church in Bourbonnet, Illinois. And he's been the pastor there, Faith Baptist Church, since 1990. Pray that you enjoy the message today on the Baptist pulpit. Y'all don't stand. That's fine. All right, begin. Verse number 24 of Exodus chapter 10, verse number 24. And the Bible says here, And Pharaoh called unto Moses and said, Go ye serve the Lord, only let your flocks and your herds be stayed. Let your little ones also go with you. And Moses said, Thou must give us also sacrifices and burnt offerings, that we may sacrifice unto the Lord our God. Our cattle also shall go with us. There shall not an hoof be left behind, for thereof must we take to serve the Lord our God. And we know not with what we must serve the Lord until we come thither. And I want to draw your attention to the phrase in verse number 26 that will be kind of the theme of our message this morning, where Moses said, there shall not an hoof be left behind. And I want to speak this morning on this subject, nothing left behind. Nothing left behind. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us this morning. Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity. I pray that you'll be with us in these, these moments that we preach. I pray, God, that you will take your word and through the power of your spirit speak to our hearts today. I pray that you will touch me and all of us as we listen. May we have our hearts ready to receive what you have for us. The Spirit of God, would you please do a great work in our midst this morning. We'll be careful to thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and amen. I don't think that I need to belabor the setting of this text. You are familiar with what's going on here in the book of Exodus. The Israelites have been in Egypt for many years They are in bondage and oppression there. And God calls Moses to be the deliverer. Sends Moses to go down to Egypt and together with his brother Aaron, they go in to see Pharaoh and they tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And through a series of events there at the beginning, Pharaoh says no. And then God begins to send plagues to help Pharaoh make up his mind. And Pharaoh continues to harden his heart. And then he begins to offer compromises to Moses 
in the matter of letting the people go. Now, we won't go, we won't go through each of these in detail. I just want to mention them to you and get to the theme of the message. The first, sacrifice, the first uh, compromise that Pharaoh tried to make with Moses, he said, okay, Moses, I'll tell you what. You want to go into the wilderness and uh, worship God? He said, why don't you just stay right here in the land of Egypt, and I'll let you have a big worship service right here in Egypt. And young people, you know that in the Bible, Egypt is a type of the world. And uh, Moses said, we can't do that. We're not going to offer God worldly worship. And I just want to say this morning, thank God that you are in a place that is not a part of this worldly worship that is going on in our land today. All over the United States of America and even the world, there are places where worldly worship is offered up every Sunday, every Sunday morning, every Sunday evening. And folks, I'm just going to tell you, that is not pleasing to God. Not at all. So Moses said, no, we're not going to stay in the world and worship we're going to leave, okay? Well, then Pharaoh says, no, God sends more plagues. So Pharaoh offers a second compromise. He says, okay, Moses, you want to worship in the wilderness? He said, I'll tell you what you do. Go ahead and go to the wilderness. Just don't go very far. Just cross the border from the land of Egypt into the wilderness and park right there and offer God worship there. And, you know, people, that was a compromise that the devil still tries to make today. He tries to get us on the right side, but just barely on the right side. If this is the line of demarcation between right and wrong, on this side is wrong and on this side is right, I would be very foolish to serve God here. Because when I serve God here, I don't have any margin for error. And I need margin for error. And guess what? You do too. All of us do. None of us are going to be static. Okay? We're going to be moving. And once in a while, we're going to move to the left. We're going to do some wrong things. The safe thing for a child of God is get over in the, on the right side and get a long ways over on the right side so that when you do need margin for error, you're still safe. And so Moses said, no, we're not going to do that. God told us to go three days' journey into the wilderness, and that's what we're going to do. We're not just going to cross the line and stay there. Well, God, Pharaoh says, well, you're not going then. Well, God sends more plagues. Pharaoh offers Moses a third compromise. He says, okay, Moses, I'll tell you what. Go three days' journey. Leave Egypt. Go three days' journey and do your offerings and your sacrifice, but just leave your kids here. Leave your sons and daughters. And Moses said, absolutely not. That's the future. That's how our faith is perpetuated from generation to generation. We train the young. We take our young with us. And that's what many of you are here this morning. Many of you are second, maybe third generation Christians, maybe fourth generation Christians. And you've been taught right and trained right. And this is what this, is, this, is what this institution is all about, to train future generations to serve God properly and rightly, okay? So Moses said, absolutely not. We're not leaving our kids behind. We're taking all of our kids with us. Pharaoh says, you're not going. God sends more plagues. Now we come to the fourth and final compromise in our text this morning. Pharaoh calls Moses back in. He says, go serve God. Go the distance. Go all the way. Take your kids with you, but just leave behind your animals. Leave behind all those animals that you might want to take, your cattle. Let your flocks and your herds stay here. And Moses refused this. He said, Pharaoh, we are not going to leave our cattle. We're not going to leave our sheep. We're not going to leave our goats. We're not going to leave anything. We're, take, we're not leaving one hoof behind. Nothing will be left behind. 
We're going to take everything with us. And here's what he said, folks. He said in verse number 26, Our cattle also shall go with us. There shall not an hoof be left behind. And here's the reason. For thereof must we take to serve the Lord our God. And we know not with what we must serve the Lord until we come thither. He said, Pharaoh, we don't know what we're going to need. We're going out into the wilderness, three days journey. We're going to worship our God and offer sacrifices to our God like our God told us to. And when we get there, I'm not sure what all we're going to need. So we're not only taking our kids with us, we're taking everything with us. We're taking the cattle, the goats, and the sheep, and the birds, and the cats. And he could have left the cats, but he said, we're going to take the cats. And we don't know what we need. We won't know until we get there. So we are taking it all. We are not leaving anything behind because when we get out there to serve God, we're going to be prepared. We're going to be ready. Let me say three things about this for us this morning, folks, and then we'll be done. This is a great principle. I believe it's a great principle for young Christian, young people, young adult people to live by. First of all, let me say this. Serving the Lord should never be in question. Serving the Lord should never be in question. Look at what he said again in verse number 26. For thereof must we take to serve the Lord our God. Moses did not say we're going to go three days journey into the wilderness and then we're going to decide if we're going to serve God. That was never in question, folks. That matter was already settled. It was already done. We are going to serve the Lord. And young people, I hope you have crossed that line in your life. I hope you have reached that point in your life. You may not know how, you may not know what, you may not know where, but I hope you have crossed that line. You've made the decision that you are going to serve God. That's already settled. And if by chance, in an institution like this, you're still battling with that in your heart, maybe you could get that settled today. You're going to serve God. Now, I understand. Now, maybe, you know, you're in a Bible college. Some of you young people are in high school, okay? Maybe right now in high school, you don't know if you're going into full-time ministry. And I want to say this, okay, if God doesn't call you into full-time ministry and he doesn't call everybody into full-time ministry, if he doesn't call you into full-time ministry, that doesn't mean you're a second-class Christian. doesn't mean you're a second-class citizen. Not all men are going to be preachers. Not all men are going to be missionaries or evangelists. Not all women are going to marry a missionary or marry an evangelist or marry a preacher. But that doesn't mean when you are in the will of God, you're traveling first class. But here's the question. The question looks like this. We're all in full-time ministry. We're all in full-time ministry. You know, we just finance it differently. You know, some men go to church and they pastor a church and the church pays them a little bit of a wage or a salary to pastor the church. Others are missionaries, and they gather support from churches, and they go out and work on the mission field using the support the churches send. Some men go to work in banks. But that doesn't mean you're not a full-time Christian. Some men go to work as mechanics. Some men work on computers. Other men do other things. Some are plumbers. Some are contractors. Some are builders. You know, we're not in all, I guess I should say it this way, we're not all of us in full-time ministry, but we're all full-time Christians. We're going to serve God. We're going to serve the Lord. You know, it's interesting when I read the story of Esther, and I realize that's almost exactly what she told Mordecai when Mordecai said, Esther, you better go in and see the king or our goose is cooked. And you know what she said to him? I think it reads like this in your scripture. She said, I have not been called. I have not been called. I understand what she's saying. You didn't just walk into the king's palace those days uninvited. 
You didn't just approach the king's court without an invitation to come in there. You took a risk when you did that. And that's what she was referring to. But I think that's interesting because I've run into a lot of young people in the last many years of ministry, and they have this attitude, you know, why aren't you, why aren't you doing something for the Lord? Well, I'm just not called. Well, I want to tell you something, brother. You may not be called to a specific full-time position as a minister of the gospel of God, but you are called to full-time Christianity. You are called to serve the Lord. I, I, it's, it's a blessing now. You know, I've been 26 and a half years in Bourbonnet. I was 10 years in Iowa before that with Brother Brown. And I've been in it long enough to see God send some young people. Actually, the, the folks that Brother Armacost was referring to, Brother Rarden and Gina and some of the others were already in Bible college when I came to pastor Faith Baptist Church. And we still have a connection, of course, a strong connection with Brother Rarden and Brother Schrock and Gina and others. And, uh, and uh, enjoy that. But now that I've been there 26 and a half years, I've seen God call some of the folks that grew up in our ministry into full-time service. We've got, we've got missionaries. We've got preachers. We've got assistant pastors. We've got Christian school teachers. We've got ladies married to missionaries and preachers. We've got a host of young people who are in, quote, unquote, full-time ministry. I get a blessing from that, okay? But I want to tell you what I also get a blessing from. I get a blessing every Sunday morning looking out over our church auditorium and seeing couples or people in this section, this section, this section, this section, in the balcony and in the back, young adults or now middle-aged adults who are not preachers, they are not missionaries, they are not Christian school teachers, but they are full-time Christians. And they serve in the ministry in our church. They teach Sunday school classes. They preach in junior church. They do things like that. They're not just filling a space on a pew. They may not be in what you and I would refer to as full-time ministry, but they are serving God because that should never be in question. That should be settled in your heart and life already. So I want you to see that serving God should never be in question. Moses did not say we need some time after we got out, get out there to decide if we're going to serve God. Moses said, we are going to serve the Lord. Second of all, I want you to see this this morning. The future is unpredictable. The future is unpredictable. Moses said to Pharaoh in verse 26, we know not with what we must serve the Lord. I don't know exactly what's going to happen, Pharaoh. You know, as a, as, a, as a young person or a teenager, you got the matter of your eternal destiny settled the moment you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. That matter is all settled and done, and I, for one, am still a Bible-believing Baptist that believes once saved, always saved. I've heard people all through these years accuse us, oh, you Baptists, you're the only one. You all always preach that once saved, go out and live like you want to. I've been listening to independent Baptist preaching for 41 years. I have never heard an independent Baptist preacher say that in 41 years. I've heard independent Baptist preachers preach hard about living right after you get saved. Hard. But I do believe once saved, always saved. Once you get saved, you get the matter of your eternal destiny settled. Maybe you've already answered the call of God to be in full-time service. Maybe you're training to be a pastor or an evangelist or a missionary or edu Christian education. Or you know God's called you to marry somebody in that realm. Maybe that's already settled for you. If those things are settled, I hope your salvation is settled. And if the call of God on your life is already settled, that's wonderful. But folks, I'm going to tell you something. Beyond that... It's hard to really predict what you're going to be doing in 15 years. 
20 years. When I came out of Bible college, I never thought I'd pastor a church. Never. Went to work for Brother Brown. My intention was to be there for life. And I mean that with all of my heart. I'm not just saying that because it sounds good. That's, that's what really I felt. I had no idea what the future held. And I think sometimes young people are a little bit hesitant to answer the call of God because you want to know the end from the beginning. Only God knows the end from the beginning. No human can know that. And that's a little bit about what made Esther hesitant about to go see the king. She wanted to know that if she went in to see the king, everything would turn out all right. And she wouldn't lose her life. And she wanted to know that before she went to see him. Maybe there are some young people here right now and you're hesitating on the call of God because you'd like to know for sure that everything's going to turn out all right. That you're going to have a church running 300. That you're going to have a a nice home. That you're going to have a comfortable living. That everything's going to go good for you in the ministry. I want to tell you something, folks. The future is unpredictable. You have no idea what's out there in front of you. You know, my son and his wife, uh, the son that's a missionary over in Madagascar, our oldest son, uh, here just about a year and a half ago, they had a stillborn baby. One week before the baby was to be taken by cesarean section, the baby was stillborn. She woke up one morning and uh, didn't feel any movement in her womb. And they rushed to the hospital there. They had gone from Madagascar to South Africa to Johannesburg because they had better care in Johannesburg. And there they put the ultrasound machine on her, on her, you know, her womb, and, 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 and there was nothing there. There's no heartbeat. And she had to deliver a stillborn baby. And that was a difficult time. There was no way in the world they could know that when they sat as Bible college students together in a Bible college at Oklahoma Baptist College years ago preparing for the ministry, there was no way they had any idea that would ever be a part of what they would experience. You can't know those things. Only God knows the end from the beginning. You can't know the future. There's a lot about it that's unpredictable. You know, I wish I could tell you that every young man studying for ministry here is going to have a successful, blessed, overflowingly fruitful ministry. But I can't tell you that. I can't promise you there won't be any heartache. In fact, I can almost promise you that there will be. There will be difficult times. There will be tears. There will be sorrow. You just can't sit back waiting to answer the call, trying to figure out that everything is going to be okay before you say yes. You can't know the end from the beginning. It's a part of trusting God. So so Moses, serving God was never in question. The future is unpredictable. So because of that, because serving God is never in question, and because the future is unpredictable, number three, Don't leave anything behind. Don't leave anything behind. That's what Moses told Pharaoh. We're going to serve God. We don't know what the future holds. When we get there, we're not going to know what we need. So Pharaoh, we are not leaving one hoof. Not one hoof. Are we leaving in the land of Egypt? We are taking everything with us. I'm going to make this application this morning, young people. Everything that God brings into your life right now is for a purpose and for a reason. Enjoyable or unenjoyable? Easy or hard? 
light or heavy. Everything God brings into your life is not an accident. It is not a coincidence. Everything he's bringing into your life has a purpose and a reason. You have no idea what you're going to need to serve God with when you get out there. So don't leave anything behind. So many so many Christian high school students, students in Christian academies, they leave academics behind. Don't leave academics behind, young fellas, young men. Don't leave academics behind. You know, I get weary sometimes of listening to Christian, te- Christian teenagers. Oh, I hate English. I don't know how. That's ignorant. You know, you look, okay, history. I love history, but you know what? You may not use history. Math is good, but you may end up somewhere where you won't use math. But n- no one is going to end up in a place where you won't need some, some English You're going to be speaking, you're going to be writing, you're going to be talking, you're going to be publicly speaking or teaching in a classroom. How foolish to leave English behind. How foolish not to do your best in school. How foolish not to put your nose to the grindstone and study and prepare. (laughs) My second son, we we had four girls and two boys. Five of them are married. The last young lady, the last girl is a, a sophomore in Bible college right now and and uh, she's uh, preparing to serve God and has an interest there and looks like that the interest is going to stick. And uh, he's going to be a missionary, so we'll have a second child that's a missionary, Lord willing, on the field someday. Our second son, Luke, works for me at Faith Baptist. When Luke was in high school, in the early grades, grades 8 and grades 9 and so forth, he wasn't really plugged in. He wasn't, he, he's, he's a brilliant guy, just the kind of guy that makes you sick, right? You know what I'm talking about? You know, he's the guy that never had to study hard, all right? But that's all really a detriment, okay? And so he's just kind of plodding along. Ninth grade, he's just, you know, he's making some B's and making, he's doing okay, but he's not really putting forth a lot of effort. And so he goes off to, they, the youth group goes to camp, summer camp, and uh, boy, God does a good work in his heart. He comes back from summer camp, and starting his 10th grade year, he just applied himself, and he worked hard, and he applied himself in 10th grade, 11th grade, and 12th grade. And there was a, a classmate of his named Diane. And he and Diane were just neck and neck through the 11th and 12th grade academically, you know. And you're coming down to that graduation time for the GPA, the, the highest grade point average. What they call valedictorian, I think, right? Okay. The highest grade point average. And he and Diane were just neck and neck. And the truth of the matter is, he edged Diane in 11th grade, and he edged Diane in 12th grade. But on the night of graduation, she was the valedictorian. She had a grade point average that was .002 greater than his. Because if I think, if I'm right on this, you guys could help me. I think when they go to figure valedictorian, they don't just take your senior year. They don't just take your junior year. They don't just take your sophomore year. They go all the way back to ninth grade. And in ninth grade, he left some things behind. Well, it's no big deal. And he got close. Oh, wait a minute. He went to a Bible college that gave a $2,000 scholarship to a valedictorian. If you had five people in your graduating class and you were the valedictorian, they gave you $2,000. Now, if I put $2,000 here on this table this morning, are you walking out of here? Anybody leaving that behind? That happened in ninth grade, fellas. 
I'm not saying that God doesn't want us to have fun. I'm not saying God doesn't want us to laugh and enjoy life. I read my Bible. I read about spirit-filled Christians and Bible-filled Christians. They're singing and making melody in their hearts. They're thankful. They're happy folks. But I want to tell you something. God's serious about what he brings into our lives. And he's serious about what he's bringing into your life right now. Don't leave it behind. Do your studies. Do your homework. What are you leaving behind? You know, I, don't know if you're, I don't know if you're involved in, in sports competition here. I don't know if about the school to know that. If you're involved in basketball or wrestling, I used to have a wrestling program. And, and uh, if, if there's any kind of volleyball. Or, but, you know, even the sports program. No, don't leave it behind. Don't, don't leave it behind. You have no idea the lessons, the valuable things that God is t- trying to teach you and give you right now. Just don't leave anything behind. You know, even Jesus there, the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 2, when he was 12 years of age, I, I look, I can't completely wrap my mind around this. And if I should be able to, I'm sorry, I just can't. I don't, I can't quickly, quite wrap my mind around Jesus, the Son of God, Going back to Nazareth with Joseph and Mary and increasing. And wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Increasing academically, spiritually, physically. I get that part. He grew up physically. I'm not, I have a hard time wrapping it, but I believe it with all of my heart because the Bible says it. You know what? Jesus was the perfect example. He left nothing behind. As a 12-year-old, 13-year-old, 14-year-old, 15-year-old, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, he didn't leave anything behind. He increased. He took everything with him. What are you leaving behind? What are you missing in church service on Sunday morning? What are you missing in Sunday school? What are you missing on the bus route? What have you decided is not important in your life? Because God thinks it's all important. Now, I mentioned, you know, the boy in Madagascar. He went to Oklahoma Baptist College. His first to study missions, his first year at Oklahoma Baptist College was in the fall, September of 2001. Just a few days after he started school, 9-11 took place. And at that point in time, Jim Vineyard was the president of the college and the pastor of the church there. And I don't know if you know about Jim Vineyard. He was an ex-Green Beret. And when 9-11 took place, he went into Green Beret mode. And I remember we got a phone call one night from Ben. He was at the school, and he just called to check in with us. And his mother and I were both on the, you know, two different handheld phones at the house there. And I said, how's it going, Ben? Oh, it's going great, Dad. We're having a good time. I said, uh, well, you, everything going? Yeah. I said, oh, Dad. He said, it was great today. I said, what happened? He said, well, this morning, he said, I got a call. I said, Brother Vineyard took me and Micaiah Stanley and Richard Way and he did about three or four other guys. He took us out to the church camp, and he let us shoot. I said, great. He said, he put some targets up, you know, and he taught us how to shoot and shoot those, uh, those it was, I think it was a, a mini, an AR-15, a mini-14. And he said, then, Dad, he told, us how to, he told us how to crawl in our bellies and stay on the ground when there's gunfire going off. He said, he let us crawl in our bellies while he shot the gun over our heads. <laughs> he said, keep your head down, boys. Keep your... Keep your, I, so I said, oh, okay, just shooting blanks. He said, no, dad, bullets. 
My wife <laughs> was ticked off. We didn't send our boy down there to be, and, and to be honest with you, it, it didn't even really set well with me. That this guy's shooting live rounds over, keep your head down, son, keep your head down. And that was great. He told us how to crawl on our bellies and keep our heads down when we heard guns shooting. Let's fast forward. 2000, oh, I can't remember all the years, 2005, I think it was. They got married 2006. They graduated, hit the deputation trail, fall of 2007. They go to uh, Albertville, France to learn French, fall of 2008. They go to Madagascar, September of 2008. December of 2008, there's a military coup in Madagascar. I'm at the ski camp over in uh, Wisconsin getting ready to preach to a couple hundred teenagers who were there for a ski retreat. In the motel, my phone rings. It's him. He says, Dad, he says, it's getting bad over here. He said, there are armed guys with AK-47s, gorillas riding around in pickup trucks, shooting people, shooting guns into the air. They're looking for Westerners. They're looking for Americans. He says, it's getting pretty serious over here. And as he's talking to me, he said, you know, the other day this happened. As he's talking, his voice starts to choke up. And I said, no, 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 no. He says, not time to cry. It's time to get ready. It's time to be prepared. Do you have an escape route from your house? Do you have a rendezvous point? If you get separated from Ashley and the girls, do you have a place to meet? Do you have some water? Do you have some propane gas put aside? Are you ready for this? You cry later. It's time to get prepared now. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I prayed with him, and when we hung up, I got on my knees and I cried. What are you going to do when you're 10,000 miles away? He was at an Internet cafe. Now, don't, don't get the idea of Internet cafe like you might go to here. And this is, we're talking fourth world country, okay? He is at a little establishment in downtown Antanarivo that has an, an Internet service with his laptop trying to answer emails, and he hears gunfire. They already had 31 people killed in one day when they shot into a crowd of people and just put, they were setting things on fire, shacks and little stores. And it is the whole, it, it, unless you've been there, you don't understand it's not stores like here in America. He hears the gunfire, he hears this, this big, big commotion outside, and he, he runs and he looks out the Looks out the door and here's this mob of people, a mob of guys, and they've got guns and they're mad and they're screaming and they're yelling. And he runs back in and he grabs his laptop and he comes running out and he goes the opposite direction. All of a sudden, you know what he does? Keep your head down, son. Keep your head down. He hits the ground. Crawls. In 2001, he had no idea that seven and a half years later, he would be in the middle of a military coup. And what my wife and I thought was just wasted time turned out to be something valuable for him. What are you leaving behind? What are you leaving behind? 
He said, man, school gets heavy and the load gets heavy and the, the academics are, the academic expectations are high and the load gets heavy and the ministry expectations on weekends with our bus routes and our Sunday schools and our junior churches and the financial responsibilities and Brother Angel, it just all piles up and it's just, what are you leaving behind? Don't leave anything behind. Take as much as you can with you because you have no idea in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, what you're going to be doing. And God's bringing things into your life right now. Not to help you tomorrow. Not to help you next week. But to help you 10 years from now. 15 years from now. Military coup settled down. I mean, folks, it was serious. They, can't, you know, they got little guards over there. I mean, talking about men. They got little indigenous Malagasy people who work as guards for Westerners. For foreigners. And Ben had this, just, he decided to move his family to a safer place to live. And the guard, the guard stays with the house. So he left this house to go to a safer place to live. And not long after they left that house, the guard's in his shack. And a group of gorillas shows up and ties him to a chair and puts a knife to his throat and says, where is that white man that lived here? We're talking about serious stuff here. Okay? He was like you men. Sitting in a Bible college. Less than 10 years after he's sitting there, he's, he's in that. When the coup subsided and they, he got through it, and actually they went to South Africa with the Demarest just to, just to detox a little bit, just to you know, a stressful situation, just to kind of just get their wits about them. They went for like three weeks just to stay with the Demarests. And I can remember when they came home for their first furlough, and we said, Ben, you know, I, said, I was talking to him, I said, Ben, how did... How, because I said, how did you do it? So what did you guys do? They don't go out, go out at night. Folks, I flew into Madagascar at night. The only lights in the whole island were at the airport. There's no light. When light goes, when the, when the daylight goes, you don't go out of the house. There's no McDonald's. No Starbucks. No. What would you do? Hear gunfire? He said, Dad. Ashley and I put the girls to bed. We always tried to keep an upbeat attitude around the girls. We put the girls to bed, and then we'd sit up on the couch, and I'd sit there on the couch, sit there. All he had was a, all he had was a long pole with a machete taped to the end of it. He couldn't take a gun with him. He said, I'd sit there with the machete, the long pole with the machete. Ashley and I'd sit on the couch and hold hands, and we'd sing, This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. He said, Brother Terry, that's a kid's song. When you're 10,000 miles away from everything, give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. All the songs they learned as kids, I have decided to follow Jesus. You don't leave anything behind. Take it all with you. Take the spiritual with you. Take the academic with you. Take the physical with you. Take the knowledge. Take the relationships with you. Take it all with you, friend. Develop the attitude right now. From this point on, nothing left behind. I'm not leaving a thing. Because I'm going to serve God. 
and I don't know how it's all going to turn out. But I'm taking it all. Nothing matters. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege to preach your word. Please speak to hearts this morning as only you can. I can only speak to ears, but you can speak to hearts. I trust that you'll do so today. I pray for these students, high school, college, wherever they are in life, from this moment on, they'll purpose nothing left behind. Take it all with them. I pray that you'll speak to our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name. Let's stand, please. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Thanks for listening to the Baptist Pulpit. Second Timothy chapter 4 says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. We pray that through the challenging preaching of the Word of God today, that you will be encouraged to stay faithful in preaching the Word and hearing the Word. Lester Roloff many years ago said, the world's greatest need is preaching preachers. Let's pray that in this day and this hour, we will stay faithful to the preaching of Jesus Christ. Thanks again for listening to the Baptist Pulpit.